Thank you, Reg, and thank you, Nate, and uh, good morning, everybody. Just barely, but good morning. So, welcome to this Sunday before Thanksgiving. I want to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving with you today. The official Thanksgiving Day goes all the way back to 1789, when our first president, George Washington, proclaimed that November 26th is to be the day of Thanksgiving for our nation, or at least it was that year. It was sort of bounced, the date bounced around and was celebrated in different, uh, on different days on different states until 1863 when President Abraham Lincoln issued this proclamation calling on the whole American people to observe a special day of Thanksgiving on the last Thursday of November of every year. And ever since, each president has issued a Thanksgiving Day proclamation designating the fourth Thursday of November officially as Thanksgiving Day. Good news is, though, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, every, though every um, day may not be a holiday, every day is a day of thanksgiving and thanksgiving. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. So, if you would take out your message notes or open up your notes on your app as you turn there, and I'm going to read for you Psalm 107, our first verse, Psalm 107. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving. It's a reminder that what God is looking for from us is an attitude of gratitude, is sacrifices of thanksgiving. You know, scientists have discovered that gratitude is actually the healthiest emotion. Nothing better for your health than gratitude. And so today I want to give you three reasons from the Word of God for gratitude. And then we're going to talk about some ways to put that into practice, to live out a lifestyle of gratitude. We're going to be mostly in the book of Psalms today. That's where most of the uh, verses about thanksgiving are, of course. So let's get right into it. Why don't you write this first one down. The first reason to be filled with gratitude is because of who God is. Because of who He is. If God was aloof, if he was uncaring, if he was indifferent, there would be no reason for us to be thankful. If God was inconsistent or unreliable, if he couldn't be trusted, there would be no reason for, to be thankful. If our God was weak, if he couldn't do anything about the problems in our lives, if he was powerless to help us, there would be no reason for gratitude. But none of those things are true about God. Not one of them. In fact, the Bible teaches us that God is just the opposite. And I want to look at a number of verses with you today about who God is to begin. Psalm 145 says this, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. He is what? God is great. Amen. Circle that word, if you would, please, on your notes. He is great. He's not weak. He's not powerless. He is great. Nothing is too difficult for him. Greatly to be praised, his greatness is unsearchable. We can't even begin to understand how great he is. So why is that worthy of my gratitude anyway? Well, if God is great enough to create the entire universe and to keep it running, he's big enough to handle every problem you and I have. Sometimes we think that God might not be all that interested in me or God has sort of forgotten about me. 
Listen, the Bible says that God knows the very number of hairs on your head. And that God keeps track of every tear that you cry. Those are pictures God gives us in his word of his love and of his care for us. In addition to that, God is omnipotent. He has the power to do anything. So every problem we bring to God is small. There are no big problems in God's eyes because he is great. And then this verse, Psalm 107, verse 8. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. For his steadfast love. God loves you with an everlasting, steadfast, consistent love. The only reason that there's love in our universe is because God is love. And if God was not a loving God, you, you and I would not even know what love is. We wouldn't be able to give it. We wouldn't be able to receive it. The reason that we can know love, receive it, and give it is because you and I are made in the image of God, a God who is love. And so we can thank God that he's great, and we can thank him for his unfailing love. No one's ever going to love us like he does. Third, Psalm 717 says this, I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord the Most High. That's another reason yet to be thankful, to be grateful for who God is. He is righteous. What does that mean? That means he's fair and he's just. It means that he's unprejudiced and unbiased. Righteous literally means he always does the right thing. God never, ever does the wrong thing. He doesn't make a mistake. And we can thank God for that. Another verse, another passage that I love is Psalm 100, verses 4 and 5. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Zero in on that word good. The Lord is good. He's a good God. He gives good gifts to his children. And everything in your life that is good comes from God. If God was not a good God, there would be no good in the universe. This would be a universe devoid of good things and and good times and good tastes and good food and good scenery. See, everything in life that is good is because we have a creator who is good. He's a good God. And that, too, is something we should be thankful for. Thank you, God, that you're good, that you're just, and that you're loving, and that you are great. Amen? And then Psalm 86 says this, Psalm 86, 15. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So one day, many years ago, Billy Graham was driving through a small southern town when he was stopped by a policeman and charged with speeding. Billy Graham admitted his guilt, but he was told by the officer he had to appear in court anyway. So later in court, the judge asked him if if he pled guilty or not guilty. And he pled guilty, to which the judge replied, that'll be $10. $1 for every mile you were driving over the speed limit. So I told you this was a long time ago, right? (laughs) And then the judge recognized who was standing before him. This is Billy Graham, the great evangelist. And so he says to him, you violated the law and the fine must be paid. But I'm going to pay it for you. And so he reached into his wallet and 
took out a $10 bill and attached it to the ticket. And then he took Billy Graham out to dinner and bought him a steak dinner. <laughs> and later, Billy Graham would write, that is how God treats us. He treats repentant sinners with mercy and grace. I like that. You, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious. You are also steadfast in love and faithfulness. And that word steadfast reminds us that he is always loving. He is always faithful. He's consistent in his attributes toward us. We can count on them. Some of you grew up in homes with parents who were inconsistent. Sometimes they were kind to you, but sometimes they weren't. And sometimes they were merciful, but sometimes they weren't. And sometimes they were loving to you, but sometimes they weren't. And sometimes they were gracious, but not all the time. And that inconsistency creates a, an insecurity. But the Bible says that is never true about God. God is always kind. He's always merciful. He's always loving and faithful and gracious toward us. And that means no matter how badly I blew it this last week or this last month or this last year, how badly I blew it the, you know, in my life altogether, that God is still always going to be kind and merciful and gracious toward me and toward you. Well, we just barely scratched the surface of God's attributes just now, some of the truths about who he is. But how do we show our gratefulness to a God who is like that? How do we cultivate a lifestyle of gratitude? The Bible tells us some very practical ways to do that. We're going to see six of them today, two that go with each of the three main points of my message, all right? And the first one is by singing from the heart. We respond to who God is by singing from our hearts. Notice I'm not just saying by singing, but by singing from the heart. There's, that's an important thing that we express our thanksgiving to him, an important way we express our thanksgiving to him. So does, does tone matter to you when somebody talks to you? Parents, does tone matter to you when your children speak to you? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. okay. So uh, someone said preach it in the, first, in the last service. So... If somebody asks you for something or if somebody thanks you for something, we notice the tone of their voice, okay? And it's not hard to tell if someone is sort of going through the motions or if they're truly thankful when they say thank you. And if we can tell with someone, when someone is thanking us from a heart, from a truly thankful heart, don't you think God can? And one of the things that... God says in the prophets and even Jesus himself said is that God is looking for us to worship him wholeheartedly with a pure heart. Look at this verse in Psalm 107. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds and songs of joy. Tell of his deeds and songs of joy. Some of you, sometimes when you sing, you know, I, I, stand, I sit and stand down front during our singing, and so I often don't get to see peop, other people, but I know from experience that sometimes people don't really enter in. Some people don't enter into singing that much, and sometimes people say, well, you know, I don't have a very good voice. I don't like singing that much. I don't have a good voice. The Bible says make a joyful noise unto the Lord, and anybody can do that. 
Maybe sometimes when you're standing there and, and you see people around you clapping or you see them raising their hands, maybe you're feeling to yourself, I'm not too comfortable doing that. I'm not, that's not really me. And I want to ask you if that's kind of what, what you're thinking to yourself today. I want to ask you if you've ever clapped or got excited or raised your hands at a game, maybe a football game, maybe a soccer game. Woohoo! Have you ever gone, touchdown? <laughs> of course you have. All right, so you're telling me it's okay to get excited about football or soccer, but it's not okay to get excited about worshiping God. Go, touchdown, God. God, you are great. When I raise my hands at a football game, I'm called a fan. When I am raised my hands at church, I'm called a fanatic. Yeah, yeah. Something wrong with that. Listen, there's something wrong with that. Someone said to me on the way out of the first service, you know, I don't want our church service to become like a football game. Neither do I. What I'm saying is God wants us to enter in wholeheartedly in our worship unto him. That pleases him. He loves that. So sing from your heart. Second, when we cultivate a lifestyle of gratitude, we do that by thanking God in prayer. When we're in the habit of saying, thank you, God, what is prayer anyway? Prayer is just conversation. It's talking to God. It's telling him how we feel. It's asking him for things. And one of the things he wants to hear from us is our thank you, our, our gratitude. We're to give thanks as we call upon his name. It says in Psalm 105, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. He wants to hear our authentic, heartfelt appreciation for the things that he does for us. So the first reason God wants us to be thankful is because of who he is. He's worthy of our praise. He's a great God. There's a second reason. You might write this down as well. Be thankful because of what God has done. Because of what he has done. Here's some Bible verses about that. Let's start with Psalm 52. I will praise you forever, O God, for what you have done. What has God done for you? Think about that for a minute. He's done millions and millions and millions of things for us that we should be grateful for. We don't even know half of what he's done for us. But let me mention three things specifically. First of all, he delivers you. He delivers you. Psalm 118 says, I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. That word salvation means deliverance. You've become my deliverance. You've become my victory. And here I think the psalmist is thanking God for delivering him from his enemies and maybe defeat, maybe death. Listen, God is constantly watching out for his children. For, he's for us. He, he delivers us from evil. He delivers us from danger. And oftentimes we don't even know it. He delivers you. Secondly, he gives our gives direction in our life. He gives us direction. Psalm 16 says, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. The Lord gives me counsel. What does that mean? Well, that word means he gives advice. He, he guides us. You say, well, how, does, how in the world does God do that? Well, in many ways, he guides us through his word, the Bible. He guides us through teachers. He guides us through godly friends. He guides us through his Holy Spirit. Jesus said he's given us his spirit to lead us and guide us into truth. There's lots of ways God guides us in our lives. 
Mostly, I think he guides us through his word, and, and uh, his word often says, this is my will for you. Sometimes he guides us through his spirit. The spirit gives us an impression. He leads us. I don't even know all the ways that he does that, but I am so thankful that God leads us and guides us the way he wants us to live, the way he wants us to go. And third, Jesus came to earth and he died for you so that you can be forgiven, so that you can go to heaven someday forever with him. Look at Colossians chapter 2, Colossians 2, 13 and 14. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, being by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Listen, can you imagine if somebody called you up and said, hey, friend, I, I just canceled all of your debts. I, I, I just wrote a check and paid all your credit card bills, and I paid for your house mortgage. It's done. I paid for your car loan. I paid all your bills, all your debts, and you are debt-free. Some, yeah, amen. Praise God. Some of you might not remember having debts, but most of us, I think, can relate to that and having mortgages. And would you be grateful if somebody did that for you? Would you be glad to hear that news? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's what Jesus did for us. He forgave all of our sins. He canceled the record that contained all of the charges against us. He took it to the cross with him and canceled them, destroyed it there. And God wants us to never forget the co- what it cost to pay for our forgiveness. So how can we show thanks for God, for what God has done for us? All right? How can we cultivate a lifestyle of gratitude? Here's a couple of more things. Number one, we show our gratitude to God by telling others the good news. Psalm 71 says, My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day. When something good happens to you, don't you just want to tell somebody about it? Don't you want to share that good news? What he's saying here. So, a couple of days ago, our 14-year-old daughter, Bethlehem, got, into the, got out of the school bus and into the car and sat down beside me, and I could tell something was wrong. And she said, I'm so bummed I lost my phone today. Of course, I, that, that is devastating, especially to a teenager. And uh, so, we, you know, did, did you, where did you look? Where did you lose it? She, she went to the office. No one had turned it in. In fact, the gal in the office made her look through all of her Backpack to make sure it wasn't just lost in her backpack, and she did that, and she couldn't find it. And so for a day and a half, we were dealing with a lost phone and, and all of the sadness around that. And then <laughs> yesterday, we said, well, why don't you check your backpack one more time? So she did, and, and uh, amazingly, her, she had dropped her phone into her backpack, and it had slipped inside of her notebook, but it went into the pocket, the front pocket of the notebook, behind some papers, so you couldn't see it there at all. And, of course, she was elated to find her, her iPhone, okay? And she starts texting her friends, I found my phone! She was just sharing it with everybody. One of the ways, we get excited 
to share good news. And one of the ways we show our gratitude toward God is we let everyone know. We tell people the good news. You know, we're moving into the Christmas season, and people all around us are more open than ever this time of year to receive an invitation to come to church. And so I'd ask you today, who are you planning to bring to church with you in December? Think about that. Bring somebody with you during the Christmas season. Ladies, bring someone to the, to the women's luncheon or to mops. Kids, invite someone to come to Awana with you for the Christmas presentation. Everyone, bring someone to a Christmas service or Christmas Eve service during the month of December. Don't come by yourself. There's people around you who need the invitation, who need to find the Savior. It's one of the ways you show gratitude to God. And by the way, it's important to be praying for them first before you even ask them to to bathe that invitation in prayer. And one of the things I love about Lake City is that we have this culture of prayer. And part of our praying, being a praying church, is we have a concert of prayer coming up and then uh, five more hours of prayer, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right after next Sunday. So Reg mentioned that uh, just when he was up here. And I, I want you to grab these stacks of cards that are on the chairs down the center aisle. And please pass them down. Please, everyone take one big one and everyone take one small card. And I'll explain what to do with these invest and invite cards. This is how we pray for each other and how we pray for the people in our lives that need Christ. So I'll read the back of this card while they're passing. It says, these are the people God has placed in my life who need to know and follow Christ. I will pray for them daily and invite them to attend a Christmas service with me. Please write the same four names or however many names you have. Please write the same names on both cards. On the bottom of the big card, it says, please place in offering bag. So we're going to ask you to put the big card in the offering bag at the end of the service so we can pray for you and for your friends. And please keep the small card and take it home and put it someplace as your reminder to pray daily for these people. You can pray daily for for a month. Anybody can do that for a month, all right? So please pray for these people over the next month. Please come next Sunday to the concert of prayer or at least one of the prayer times over the, the three days afterwards. Here's another way that we show gratitude toward God for what he's done, by giving an offering back to him. By giving an offering. You see, thanks and giving go hand in hand. It's called thanksgiving, all right? Some people give to God out of duty. God wants us to be cheerful givers, to learn how to give out of thanksgiving. Listen to Psalm 56, 12. I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. Thank offerings. What's that? Well, one of the offerings that God instructed his people to give him in the Old Testament, one of the offerings was called a thank offering. And they were to be given for different reasons, like if God delivered you from sickness or God delivered you from distress or something like that, people would be, give a thank offering to God. Sometimes a worshiper would make a vow to God. God, if you answer this prayer, I will... I promise I will do such and such. Okay, And I think that's kind of the, what this verse specifically is talking about. I will keep my vow by giving my thank offering to you. Here's the point. If you're serious about 
thanking God for the good things in your life that he's done, you ought to consider giving him a thank offering. I think that pleases God greatly. Listen, the pilgrims weren't the first to come up with thanksgiving. Did you know that? They copied it. Who'd they copy it from? They didn't invent thanksgiving. God did. In fact, he commanded his people, he commanded the Jewish people thousands of years before we started doing thanksgiving in America. God commanded his people to do thanksgiving. Listen to Deuteronomy 16.10. Then celebrate the festival of harvest to honor the Lord your God. Bring him a voluntary offering in proportion to the blessings you have received from him. Question. How has God blessed you this past year? If he's blessed you a lot, you ought to bless him back. Give him a, a, accordingly. If he's blessed you a little, give a little. If he's not blessed you at all, don't bother giving. It says, give a vo- bring a voluntary offering in proportion to the blessings you have received from him. See, one of the ways I show my gratitude to God is in giving back to him, giving an offering to him. Because you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. I like that. Somebody said that. And one of the ways I show my love to God, my gratitude to God, is I give to him. Well, there's a third reason why we should develop a lifestyle of gratitude. First, for who he is. He's good. He's great. He's merciful. He's gracious. He loves us with an un failing love. We're grateful because of who he is. Second, for what he's done, he protects us and he guides us and he's erased all of our debts, all of our sin. And the third reason why we should develop a lifestyle of gratitude is because of his promises, because of God's promises. Listen, God is not finished doing good things for you in your life. He's going to do more. He's got good plans for your future and mine. Plans for welfare and not for evil. Plans to give you a future and a hope. That's what it says in Jeremiah 29. So how do you know that God has good plans for your life? Well, there are promises to that effect in God's word. Do you know how many promises in this book there are for us? Someone counted them up and they came up with slightly over 7,000 promises in the Bible. Say, well, I don't, I don't even know most of them, I guess. Well, that's sort of like having an insurance policy and not knowing what's covered in it. Okay. God has made so many promises to you in his word. And the Bible says this in Psalm 138 about those promises. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Notice that word faithfulness. What does that refer to? Well, one of the things it refers to is that God keeps his promises. He's faithful to us. Have you ever thanked God for that? God, thank you that you have not only given me promises, but I can absolutely count on them. Let me give you three of my favorite promises from the Bible. John eleven twenty five. 25. These are the words of Jesus himself. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. Yet shall he live. Are you thankful for life after death? Hello, are you thankful for life after death? Amen. 
Have you ever thanked God for that? Yes, amen. <laughs> I like it. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. That's what Easter is all about, the resurrection. Thank you, God, that this isn't all there is. Another promise I love is that God says, if, if you are living your life for me while you're here on earth, I'm going to take care of every need you have. That's what Jesus said, Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If you seek God first in your life, you live your life for him first place, you seek his kingdom, his will, Jesus says, I will meet every need that you have. The context there is our tendency to worry about basic needs like food and clothing. Jesus says, don't worry about that stuff. I will take care of you. You put me first. You live your life for me first. Before fame and before fortune, before popularity and before success, put me first and I will meet every need that you have. That is great news. That's a great promise. Here's a third promise. God says, no matter what you go through in life, I will always be with you. That's Hebrews 13, verse 5. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, some of you have been abandoned at some point in your life. And if that's the case, I'm so sorry. You may have been abandoned by parents. Maybe dad and mom got divorced and they rarely saw you. Or you may have been abandoned by a boyfriend or a girlfriend or by a husband or a wife or by a friend or by a business partner. And man, it hurts. It's painful to be abandoned. But God says there is one thing that we can absolutely count on. He says, I will never, never leave you or abandon you. That is a promise I'm so thankful for. Thank you, God, that no matter what I go through in this life, I can be assured you are with me. You will never leave me. Three great promises. We could have listed thousands more, actually. So how do we show our thankfulness to a God who gives us promises like that? How do we cultivate a lifestyle of gratitude? Two more things I want to mention, then I'll close. Number one is by serving God with a thankful heart, by serving him with the abilities that he has given me. See, we shouldn't just voice our gratitude toward God. We should show our gratitude toward God. And one of the ways we do that is by serving him, by setting aside my own desires, my own interests, and serving others. See, the Bible says that we serve God by serving other people. God says that when we serve other people in his name, it's like we're serving him. We do it for him. He says, if you even just give a cup of cold water to a a thirsty child in my name, you're doing it as unto me. I'm noticing that. Okay? He's saying. God says, don't just say that you love me. Show that you love me. One of the ways we do that is by serving him. Romans 12.1 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. God's looking for us to present our 
bodies, ourselves to him as a living sacrifice. This comes at the conclusion, near the conclusion of Paul's letter to the Romans. The first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul's been describing the amazing salvation that he has given to us, that God's given to us. And then he says, here's how we should respond to all this. Present yourself to God as a living sacrifice. And a few verses later, he goes into the spiritual gifts and he says, I've given you these gifts, so use them to serve one another faithfully. See, we don't serve God out of duty. We don't serve God out of guilt or out of pressure. We're to serve God out of gratitude, out of gratitude and thankfulness. And if you're not serving God today, perhaps it's because you're not really that grateful for what he's done for you. I highly recommend that you find a place to serve God and to do something totally unselfish, totally for others, not, not to get paid. Okay, you just do it because you want to show God that you are so grateful for his good gifts. Finally, the last way that we show our gratitude toward God is by living each day as a thank you gift to him. Let me close with two last verses, two, two more verses. Colossians 3 says, And whatever you do in word or deed... Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, does that include taking out the garbage and doing chores around the house? Absolutely. Does that include uh, changing diapers? Sure. Making, taking a meal for someone who's sick, of course. Does that mean all, all the stuff you have to do at work, you know, the, the job that you have to do, do you, absolutely it includes that. It includes your schoolwork. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. I encourage you to make your life like a thank you note to God. God, you created me. You saved me. You've got a great plan for for my eternal future in heaven. I want to live my life here today as a thank you gift to you, full of gratitude. And then 1 Thessalonians 5 says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in most circumstances, in many circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you. Sometimes people say, well, I need to figure out what God's will is. Here it is, right here. Here's part of it, at least. This is the will of God for you. You do that, and then I think he'll show you the rest of his will. If we're not willing to do what he says his will is, why would he tell us anything else that's part of his will? All right. Step one, give thanks in all circumstances. And by the way, notice it says in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. We don't have to be thankful for the bad stuff that comes into our life. Not to be thankful for a chronic illness or for the death of a loved one. Okay, that'd be weird. Okay, God doesn't say be grateful for bad things. He says be thankful in the midst of those things. Trusting him, knowing who he is, knowing that he has a good plan and he will bring good even out of bad things. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. My 92-year-old mother is living in our home right now. She has cancer, and she's on hospice. And she would like nothing more than to go home and be with the Lord. She prays for that often. 
but God's timing isn't exactly her timing. And last week, my mother-in-law, who is a dear friend of my mom's, uh, was on the phone to Jackie and said, you know, you really ought to print out some scripture verses and put them where Joyce can read them and be reminded of the things that she has to be thankful for. And so Jackie went on the computer and did that and taped up a couple of verses on the bathroom mirror for my mom. And my mom was pleased by that. She said how much she appreciated being reminded uh, of the good stuff in the midst of the hard stuff. Gives perspective. So we cultivate a lifestyle of gratitude because of who God is, because of what he has done for us, and because of his promises for our future. In terms of application today, I'd like you to simply pick one of those six things that I've mentioned today and underline it or star it and say, this is the one with God's help that I sort of want to focus on for the next few weeks in my life. God, help me to learn to sing from the heart. Thank you in prayer. Tell others the good news. Give an offering back to you. Serve you with a thankful heart. Live each day as a thank you gift. Will you mark one of those on your sermon notes today? And then I'm going to give you just a moment to sort of vocalize that in silent prayer back to God right now, and then I'll close. So let's bow together as we pray. And you start. I'll give you a moment to talk to God about that, and then I'll close us. Father God, we thank you that you are such an amazing father to us. We praise you for who you are. You're loving and you're faithful and you're just and fair. You are a great, great God and we worship you. And we thank you for all that you've done for us. That you guide us and lead us in in the paths you want us to go. That you've delivered us from many things, many we don't even know about. And that you have saved us and canceled all the debt of sin against us. We thank you for that, Lord, and we pray that you'd help us to serve you from grateful hearts, to tell others in our life about you, to live each day as a thank you gift back to you in worship and adoration. We pray this together as a family today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and everybody agreed and said, amen. Amen. God bless you.